the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one, from education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation. This program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities taking place all across Silicon Valley. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of Silicon Valley and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed business leaders, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. Hi, I'm Carl Davis Jr., and welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections. I'm your host, but I'm also the president of the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where we help all small businesses start, finance, grow, and even exit their businesses. Our offices are located at 25 North 14th Street, downtown San Jose. Or you can reach us via the web at blackchamber.com. In studio with me today is my good friend, producer, and co-host, Mr. Carl Big Papa Welsh. What's up, Carl? I love it when they call me Big Papa. <laughs> I like what African-American Community Service there you go. Agency. <laughs> you like that? I like that name. That's our guest for today. Our guest for today is Milan Ballantin, and he's the executive director of the African American Community Service Agency. And Milan's doing wonderful things in San Jose, and we just want to find out more about that. Milan, how are you doing today? I'm amazing today. How are you? Uh, we're doing fantastic. We're excited to hear about what you're doing. But before we talk about what you're doing, Milan, many of our listeners will probably want to kind of find out your journey. Who, who, who's Milan Ballantin, and how do you get to be the executive director? of the African-American Community Service Agency. So I was born in Oakland, raised in San Francisco, and went to college in San Jose, California. So I always tell people I'm from the Bay Area. Um, <clears throat> the oldest of four children, uh, I have always found myself, uh, now that I look back in leadership roles as a big brother, always leading my own siblings or checking in on them. Uh, so I don't fall far from uh, what I currently do now as an overseer of a, a great dynamic organization. I went to San Jose State University, so certainly shout out to all the Spartans. <laughs> and uh, definitely was nurtured at San Jose State and trained and developed uh, to become the person that I am today and still becoming. My journey to become an executive director is rather, I wouldn't say interesting, but uh, joining my college fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi, I was volunteering as the chapter president, uh, invited by the ladies of Sigma Gamma Rho to participate in the annual Halloween event at the agency. And the former executive director at that time had noticed me directing my peers, asking questions, uh, making sure that we were prepared for 
the kids that were yet to arrive, and she said, you guys introduce me to that young man that's, that, that's running things around here. Um, and after that, she basically asked me if I wanted to become a student board member. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but something was pulling on me to say yes to her request of me, plus I wanted to learn about nonprofits and also assist a black-based organization uh, that I, at the time, attended San Jose State as an undergrad, did not know about, which was in close proximity to the campus. Started my journey as, as a student board member, which led to me serving in several capacities and positions. Uh, towards my latter years of college, I ended up becoming the board vice chair. And at that time, they said uh, Ms. Ferris was, um, uh, I think, on her 20-year mark as serving as uh, executive director and that she was um, probably going to make a transition sometime soon. And I had made the joke, yeah, maybe one day I want to become the executive director. And so uh, in that instant, uh, they came back to the next board meeting and said, well, would you like to transition in? And it kind of actually sounded like they said, we're going to transition you in if you apply as interim executive director during that time frame. So uh, from volunteering to serving and learning about the many programs that the organization provided based on my college leadership development while at San Jose State in multiple organizations. Uh, as I noted, Cap Officer, the Collegian 100 Black Men, I was the first president of that chapter at San Jose State. Being part of BSU, uh, the President's Council at San Jose State University, uh, these things that were training me in my in my younger years uh, led up to that moment of me accepting the role as executive director, interim executive director. Of course, they gave me the six months uh, to make sure that I was uh, going to be able to do the job, and then I fully accepted the role 11-11-2011. Uh, um, wow. Are you serious? 11-11-2011? Eleven, eleven, <laughs> yes. Man, that's going to be memorable, <laughs> say the least. So you better watch what you joke for, huh? <laughs> yes, definitely be careful what you say and what you think. Well, you know, the fact that you were so well connected in college with all the different fraternities and I know the sororities, I know the fraternities, sororities use the, um, I almost called it the Afro Center. Can I go back for just a second? The history of the African-American Community Service Agency years ago, it was called what? The Afro Center. How far do you go back, Milan? Do you remember that? Yeah, so uh, one of my, uh, my one of my passions is history and learning and sitting and listening to my elders and those uh, with wisdom in the community about what was, how did things work, and so even before the Afro Center, it was uh, originally called the Frank Cypress um, Af Afro American Community Center. He was the conduit and the connection to the community getting. Uh, the building uh, when it was vacant, uh, being that it was a firehouse prior to the uh, Afro Center becoming what it is known today as African American Community Service Agency. To my understanding, he worked for one of the city council members or one of the, or the mayor's office and uh, members of Antioch Baptist Church, whom will be turning 125 this year, along with us turning 
40 years, mm. uh, went to the, the city and said, hey, my community would like to inquire about uh, having access and utilizing this vacant building. Uh, of course, at that time, uh, racism and um, discrimination and all types of um, um, barriers were built against the community that were more visible uh, or non-visible at the time. And so uh, that name and the second name that you mentioned, Afro Center, and then, of course, eventually a transition to the African-American mm-hmm. Community Center. But we pretty much, anytime someone comes in, they say, I'm going to the Afro Center. We don't stop them at all because at the end of the day, all these names represent uh, parts of who we are as an agency. Please tell us, give us, you know, what do you guys do? Who Who is the African-American Community Service Agency? So the African American Community Service Agency was established in 1978, so we celebrate are celebrating 40 years this year of uh, good times, bad times. Uh, like all nonprofit organizations, you you have your rough patches and you have your good patches, and you transition. And so, I, this year we're calling it the 2.0. Uh, mode because we are now finally uh, getting the recognition that the organization uh, has, uh, I wouldn't just say needed, but Mm -hmm. that the organization must have in today's society to let people know that these services are available to them. So our mission is to provide programs and services to all people in Santa Clara County. While we have an emphasis in the African-American community, anyone that walks through the door can get services, information, and referrals. We have four pillars, which is education, economic development, health and wellness, and social services. Our signature programs is the MLK lunch, annual MLK luncheon, the San Jose Juneteenth and the Park Festival, and we've added our 40th gala, which will be held on Saturday, October the 6th, 2018. Under our education uh, model and the various models that I'll discuss today, we have various programs that our agency uh, runs and are we do in partnership with other organizations. Our model since 1978 has been strength in unity uh, because no matter what we do, if we do it together, uh, we will learn more about not only ourselves as a community with other communities of color, but particularly in the black community. Uh, the agency is and has been a hub organization that many organizations have either were birthed out of the agency, meaning they started in one of the halls and rooms that were located within our building and ventured out into what they were supposed to be doing in this universe. Uh, so that's kind of the, just the agency. We do have a board of directors. Um, formerly it was four. Now we have ten. Two seats are designated for bo- students. So only students can serve in that capacity, and uh, I'm glad to know that I was one of them at at that time to learn what a nonprofit uh, does, should do, and can do. Um, and we have right now a total of four staff members, formerly from 1.5 to 4 now, and we are just excited about everything that's going on at the agency. And when I say everything, there's a lot that we do that a lot of people might not know uh, based on either uh, not exactly all the time people are checking for what black-based organizations are doing, uh, but we are utilizing our resources these days to inform people about our STEAM on Saturday program. Yeah. While we're in summer, our summer science day camp program. Now you do a lot of good programs. You you um, have a lot of uh, positive services. Do you have? And we only got about a minute to go before our break. So just kind of answer this quickly. Do you provide memberships? And how can people become members? 
Yes, and great question in regards to memberships. The agency brought back our membership program around 2014. Uh, there's various types of memberships, such as there's student membership, there is a nonprofit membership, there's a business membership, and currently everything, since we're celebrating 40 years, it starts with a four. So formerly our general membership is 50. Today you can get it for $40. Uh, students is $5.00. Today it is $4. The membership provides the community with information in regards to what programs and services we are offering, but it also allows members to get discounts on certain programs that we offer. The funds go towards the operations and programs of our organization to make sure that we're continuing to sustain uh, our business and uh, input those dollars into each bucket that we need to uh, survive. Okay. Um you are listening to the great uh, Milan Valentine, probably got the greatest name as executive director of a community service agency in the country. Uh, we're going to go to a break, take a pause for the cause. When we get back, we're going to pick up with Milan Valentine. This is Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr., brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com, or call 408 288 8806. Now, back to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Yeah, we have with us uh, Mr. Milan Ballantin, the Executive Director of the African American Community Service Agency. And Milan, we're so thankful to have you on today. There's so much you have to share when we were talking about break, about the different organizations that are nonprofits and how corporate America sometimes will try to put us all in one bucket and sort of split up the dollars going to one agency and have us fighting amongst one another. How do you see that, Milan? Do you believe that's true? And what can we do to combat that? Yeah, I certainly believe it's true. Uh, I did my my um, master's program at Golden Gate University, and uh, my research was on the lack of black leadership in corporate America and how that impacts the local communities. Because oftentimes you don't have someone in corporate America that is sitting on a board or committee to speak on behalf of the local black community or for companies and foundations that give funding globally, uh, I have experienced a person who was comfortable with saying, like Milan, we've been at the table discussing whether or not we're going to give you guys the funding, but members keep saying there's a lack of black people here. So can all of you get together and apply for this funding? And then in my, my thought process, I'm thinking, well, if you're giving funding to other populations that are a bit larger, whom are not on the top of the um, – <clears throat> Uh, any list that you can name where African Americans are either, you know, we have the 2% rule in Silicon Valley where tech companies are, are maintaining this level of African Americans only uh, and not going beyond that. So we don't have rep- equal representation on particular corporations or boards. So when they're even voting on giving funding, funders come back and they say, well, how about you all get together, combine your numbers to make it larger? But what the impact of it's having on black organizations is struggling for dollars and competing for dollars. Um, and each organization that has been designed to do what they do might all share, I think we were discussing, economic development, but mm-hmm. we all may have different targets mm-hmm. on what economic development may be. For example, the agency may be teaching our summer science day camp kids mm-hmm. about banking one-on-one, but the chamber, you know, may be teaching mm-hmm. businesses mm-hmm. Uh, and young people at a different age level a different type of economic development. So sometimes corporate America, I think, might want to lend their ear, particular mm-hmm. companies, not all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and asking specifically what does that organization need, that black-based or focused organization, rather than grouping us together. 
Man, that's good, Milan. I'm glad you shared that because at the end of the day, if, if folks don't realize this, we're all connected. And the health of every community is necessary for all of us to prosper. Now, Certainly. We, we need to have a black, you know, Silicon Valley Black Chamber. We need to have Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority and their, you know, philanthropy arm. But we also need to educate a lot of times even with the black fraternities and sororities. Corporate America does not provide fraternities and sororities funding in regards to their 501C7s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. But most of them have 501C3s, which they operate their, their um, programs out of. Um, and so educating uh, a lot of those who give out funding about what a lot of the black organizations do is actually one of the ventures that I've told my board I want to um, host mm-hmm. uh, a meet and greet of a lot of the agencies funders uh, because I'm not fearful. Uh, someone said, aren't you afraid of the crab barrel syndrome or, you know, somebody mm-hmm. may mess up a relation that you have. Mm-hmm. And I told the person when they said this, I don't never have a, I would not have an issue with blessing or creating access for my community. That would be the current issue now from what people are thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Is we are holding information for our own selves and not sharing it with the rest of the group. So we're actually planning a, uh, an event uh, that I'm going to lead the charge for to introduce uh, black-based organizations and Silicon Valley, uh, because we are moving out at alarming rates, uh, funders that the agency has relationships with and companies that need to to be exposed to more black-based organizations, which let, is kind of what basically the agency has been around for 40 years for. Let me ask you this. This, this man, I'm not sure how to ask this question. Uh, you are the African-American Community Service Agency, right? Do you think that there are... There are um, some sort of prejudices against the names of some of our black community service organizations or, or um, uh, Greek lettered organizations. You think there's a, a little prejudice against the name itself uh, and oh, reason certainly. why we don't get funding. Um, I was told by a major funder a few years ago, uh, I guess when I always talk to young people, I tell them to stick, stick to what you believe. Mm-hmm. So we, I was told that maybe we should change our name because they said that the African-American in the beginning of it might deter corporations, companies, people to even talk to us. Because the when people hear African-American or black, their brains sub- and subconsciously think it automatically. It's, our, it's already for... Protest and resist. Yeah, it's just... Yes. And so we've... I mean, I make people feel comfortable when they're talking to me because I'm trying to obviously build a relationship with (laughs) the people who give us funding, follow the guidelines and the rules. But we've been told to change our name, uh, which will make greater access. And or we've had clients come in that say, can I get services if I'm not black? And, you know, I have to remind them that African-Americans have always fought for all people Amen. Come uh, from from the moment that the that we became, that we were that's brought how, here yeah, that's how they Queens. became billionaires that's right correct so we're really constantly always having to educate people that we do serve anyone we have a focus in our community because again when you look at the demographics when you look at uh the housing issues when you look at homelessness when you look at uh, uh diseases that impact the black community african-american and black people when i say black people that's all mm-hmm. those that are the whole diaspora the, 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 right. are, are being impacted yeah. and so uh, everyone should be able to get services but again we're also always fighting against this um 
these um, biases that uh, people don't always check themselves on. Hey, Malam, there's a there's a very sensitive subject I want to bring up right now. <clears throat> and one of the things that's been challenging for me is in this very wealthy Silicon Valley, there are a, a lot of African-Americans who've done well here in Silicon Valley. And many times when we reach out to those African-Americans who've done well, we get nothing. What's been your experience? <laughs> <laughs> Preach it, Milan. Come on. Don't be afraid. <laughs> So it, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? When I did my research in, in my master's program, I learned that a lot of African-Americans who do well off give to programs that now matter to them, but also, sadly, when people research them or say, for example, they're going to go get another job and they're the senior executive at Milan's Corporation, right? Mm-hmm. People in, who have reached that level do judge from what I've what I heard when I was interviewing executives who who actually have a lot of stressors being black in corporate America or at foundations is that they're walking this fine line of I don't want to lose my job, but mm. I also know that I'm here for a certain amount of years. So they're going through these stressors, some of them. Now, some of them who have reached a point in uh, excellence uh, where they they know their worth or they know that the company they're with will not get rid of them unless something, you know, terribly happens. But a lot of them are sitting in meetings where they'll give to the Cancer Foundation or the AIDS, HIV, because these are well-known um, and big, uh, right. they mm-hmm. receive larger funders. So one cool. way they kind of give towards what they're really geared towards, what they're passionate about. And then in another sense, they're also, uh, for those who are African-American, um, know that there's a, this, this responsibility to their own community, um, usually are at b- battle with themselves from what I experienced. And there's a stressor because, one, they're, they're, they're working in environments where they're the only African-American. When they do bring up an African-American issue, uh, the topic may become stressful because now it's like, well, he's trying to give money to his, uh, his community, but it would make sense when you're in a room of 50 on your board and you're the only, once again, black person. So... I, again, it, it's it's the weirdest place, but it does occur where we have heard a funder saying, you know, I'm a lot of advocating for the African American Community Service Agency, um, but uh, it's only three percent of us in Silicon Valley, and my my board or my commission is not uh, geared towards just giving you guys money. Can you also give us numbers on these other communities? We only got about a minute and a half left. Even if you weren't in corporate America, there are many athletes, entertainers that live in the Bay Area. And when people look at disposable or investable dollars, those dollars they have are at such a large amount for small agencies like yours and mine and others. They could set that agency up for years. So there's ways to do it. We just have to get our message to them, and it's got to touch their heart. So this show, we hope someone will hear it, and they'll call you or me or reach out to one of our agencies. Milan, you know, before we go, because we only got about 30 seconds, we want to know how do you want people to reach you? Because you're a wealth of information. we got young folks who are listening here. They may want to be a member of the African-American Community Service, Service Agency. How can we get in touch with you? Great question. Uh, since we're celebrating 40 years, people can contact our agency uh, through our website, www.sjaacsa.org, or call our office or email the organization at info at sjaacsa.org. Uh, we're about to go through a renovation of our funding from the city of San Jose. Uh, the Golden State Warriors just renovated a room in our building, and we just got approved to become a first five-family resource center. So I will be hiring within the next 
month or so. All right. We've well, been checking for jobs as well since we're growing. <laughs> well, Milan, we're definitely going to bring you back. On behalf of Mr. Carl Walsh and myself, Milan, we want to thank you for being part of Silicon Valley Business Connections. So stay connected. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr. and brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. That's 408-288-8806. Copies of our podcast are available online at blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email info at blackchamber.com. Keeping you connected. Silicon Valley Business Connections. Have you ever felt frustrated because every time you take three steps forward, somehow you feel like you take two steps back? And for some of you listening, it's happened your whole life. If that's you, consider this. A governor's chip on a car engine is a small device that can limit how fast a car goes. So even if you have a Ferrari with a top speed of 217 miles an hour, if that Ferrari has a governor's chip in it programmed at, let's say, 50 miles an hour, No matter how hard you press the gas pedal, that car will never be able to go as fast as it's designed to. Limiting beliefs like, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving, and so many others like it, are the governor's chip to your potential. This means no matter how hard you work, no matter how much time you put in, your success will be limited. But here's the good news. The good news is the governor chip on a car engine can be easily located and removed, allowing that car to experience its full potential. And just like the governor's chip on the car can be removed, so can the limiting beliefs holding you back. This has been Bacon Bits of Wisdom. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.